0: Lord shall give his people the blessing of peace. Amen. Please be seated. So like many of you, um, in the waning hours of Wednesday afternoon, I watched turmoil unfold in our nation's capital. Last Wednesday, you'll recall, was also the Feast of the Epiphany. An ancient feast commemorating the manifestation of Christ, a holy day that at its heart ushers in a kind of unveiling, and at once stirs in us the memory of the beginning of things. Light shining in the darkness, and how that light becomes ever more perceptible in our successive encounters with Jesus in Scripture. And these encounters, well, they build on one another and bear witness to Christ's manifestation in several ways, but most notably in the first three weeks of the new year through the gifts of the Magi, the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan, and the miracle at the wedding in Cana. You'll hear that in the song at the end of the service. We encounter Christ in these successive manifestations right after the Feast of the Incarnation and, I dare say, are expected to hold on to the joy of Christmas as we engage with our fundamental understanding of who this child is for us and through whom much will be revealed and made whole. Subsequently, we are left to ponder how our relationship with the Christ child has evolved after encountering him year after years, in ways that remain steadfast to scripture but adapt to fit our life experience. And This is important work. Forming such an awareness is often a very personal endeavor, as you know. But we should also recall that as personal as it may be for some of us, forming an understanding of anything as a Christian is a communal awareness, for there is no such thing as a loner Christian. And while the prayers we as Christians say on days such as these seek to reflect a grounding in a faith where God is made manifest, there are days when our footing seems to shift. And so we seek to return to a firm place, we seek to find a sure footing we seek time enough to just be able to raise our eyes and see even in the face of things that frighten us what surrounds us and with each passing year with every encounter and most profoundly in every tragedy the reality of our interconnectedness is often made known in ways that we do not expect and so I imagine watching as you did on Wednesday you were moved in some way and I imagine that what we witnessed was not an understanding of a collective understanding of certain principles or ideologies but a reckoning of some sorts. And it was a reckoning that was far from secular, for I watched as you did as the officers sought to stand their ground with truncheons at their side. I heard the shots of gunfire on constant replay. I saw a woman surrounded by iPhones as she lay dying in the Capitol. I heard obscenities born of a place where communication has all but failed. I witnessed how a strange mixture of glee and shame coalesced amidst claims of fraud, mistrust, desperation, and out of a decisiveness that's been born of an age where truth has become subjective and where the gravest of insults is to be called an oath-breaker. So amidst ball caps which bore military insignias and black helmets complete with the riot visors, I wondered, I think as you did, what might come next? And you know, the very last thing I expected to hear was a familiar name. The backdrop remains etched in my memory on a day where campaign flags were set beside ensigns and Union Jacks next to Old Dixie. It was one flag that fluttered high above all of them and it bore the name of our Savior, Jesus. In a world full of symbols, A banner has meaning far beyond mere decoration. It serves more as a summons than it does an invitation, often denoting a gathering place. A banner calls to from some place and is often at the heart of a rallying point that is to be seen, that is to be unmistakable, that is to be unignorable. And so we shouldn't ignore it. Especially when the most common form of Christian expression is lived out in the way we find ourselves gathering together. And what is more, banners have their place. Right? They have places where they're most often found. So it stands to reason that when we find a banner out of place, we wonder what the bearers are trying to communicate. And in that moment is the opening. The wondering is the opening. And there our work begins. In the coming weeks and months, much will be determined by the posture we choose to take in response to what we witnessed on Wednesday. While Already the drums of indifference are beating. Already our social spheres are contracting rather than expanding, and lines are being drawn around what we can talk about and what we cannot, where we can speak about certain things and where we shouldn't. Etiquette, it seems, masks accountability. And I suggest that refraining from civil engagement with one another leads only to further our isolation with each other. If our current social constructs remain the same not much will change. Instead, it will take decisiveness and fortitude for healing to occur. It will take Vulnerability and humility to find ways around the barriers we have built between ourselves. And it will take a fundamental acknowledgement in the power of God alone to see each other as beloved and not just the labels used to denote our affiliations or our ideologies. You know, Something shifted in the world thousands of years ago when the Savior's head broke through the waters of the Jordan and God was once again pleased. What lay before Jesus was a journey and a destination that no one expected, least of all those who would call Jesus the Messiah. And we, like them, have found ourselves perched amidst the headwaters of a new day and are offered an invitation to understand what is manifest before us and what to do about it. Whether we will choose the way of love or whether we will flock to another banner, whether we will remain a fractured society or who through grace may find that it is possible that out of many, there is one.